we may have figured out our theme for today is Star Wars. And uh, I know that in this audience we have fans of Star Wars and we have some who don't care anything about Star Wars. It's great. Welcome to New Walk. We're glad you're here. Doesn't matter what you think about Star Wars. But man, there are some incredible parallels that we can draw to the Star Wars movie uh, to remind us of things in God's Word, to remind us of responsibilities as believers in Christ. And that's what we've been doing in our Blockbuster series. We've just been pulling these little clips from movies and then tying it to, to what maybe God's Word would remind us of. And gosh, if you've watched any of the Star Wars movies, you know that they are rich with certainly the theme of good versus evil. You've probably seen that over and over again if you've watched Star Wars movies. But we also could be a little reminded that the very first one took place back in 1977. Some of you were alive then. Yeah. yeah. And you watched the first one at the theater or drive-in like I did. And, and I remember the first one. You remember we were introduced to characters like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and the Rebellion and the Empire, and they had those battles, and to this day, uh, we've been watching new episodes as Disney is so great at squeezing money out of everything, and they're doing that with the Star Wars th series as well. They came out with uh, an episode or a prequel, a prequel to the sequel to the trilogy, trilogy to the prequel to the sequel, and they came out with one uh, that we're going to highlight in our time together. It's called Rogue One. Some of you may have watched Rogue One. There's some powerful things in this movie that we're going to look at in our time together to say, okay, what can, what can we take? What, what is something that we can be reminded of in, in God's Word? And, and of course, as we go through this movie, we're going to see the, the good versus evil theme. That's going to play out for us. Uh, but there's something that happens in this movie, and, and really when it comes to the rebellion versus the empire and all of the Star Wars movies that reminds us of a powerful moment in human history recorded in the Bible. Uh, to be clear, uh, we understand, I hope most of you have figured out, the Star Wars isn't real. <laughs> okay, so maybe that was a newsflash for some of you. It's not real. You know, it's Hollywood. But I want to be very clear. The, the story I'm going to correlate this movie to in in God's word is real. And it took place in history. And I want us to see it very clearly for, for what it is and the reminders that we need to know about. In the Old Testament writings, we see in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet is getting information from God and God is giving him some information that the people of God need to know because they're in a messy place. They've made some decisions, they've made some choices in their life, it's led them to some unhealthy places in their life and they've kind of opened the door because of their decisions to some messiness that comes with that. And one of the challenges they're facing is this evil empire called the Assyrians. And it's their goal to wipe out everybody, but especially to wipe out God's people. And they're on the brink of disaster. Ultimately, again, because of the choices and some of the decisions that they've, that they've made. And what will happen? to the people of Judah, God's people? Will the Assyrians, will the evil empire overcome them? Uh, what can they do to put a stop to those advances of the enemy? Well, we'll utilize Rogue One to kind of talk about that. If you know about Rogue One, you know that we 
are given in Rogue One a key piece of information. It's really kind of what the movie is all about. In 1977, when the first Star Wars was given to us, what we saw there uh, is that the, the evil empire had begun to build and build and had almost completed something called the Death Star. And in that movie, that first Star Wars that we ever saw, we, we see that if that Death Star is completed, it will bring incredible destruction to, to humanity. They could destroy planets with it. There's an effort that's underway in the very first Star Wars to take down that Death Star. There's a flaw in the plans. They've got their hands on that flaw. They've got their hands on the Death Star plans. They know exactly where to kind of hit that flaw to explode the Death Star. Well, what Rogue One does for you and I is tell us how they got the plans to begin with. How did the rebellion get the plans of the Death Star so that they could take it down? And Rogue One is all about this effort to get those plans. And it starts out in the very beginning with this family that's been hiding. They've been in seclusion. Uh, this family is led by this scientist, the father, and then uh, his wife, and then their, their very young daughter. They're hiding out in seclusion on this planet. Why are they hiding? Because, well, the dad, Galen Erso, character in the story, he was involved at one time in the science and the development of the Death Star. And when he finally figured out what it was going to be used for, he got away from it. He said, I'm running from this. I don't want to be any part of developing this kind of weapon. And so he ran and he hid and he kind of went into seclusion. But they knew that there may come a time where the Empire found him. And maybe there was a problem in the building of the Death Star and they needed him there to resolve the problems. Though they were in seclusion, there may come a moment and they were ready for that moment they may happen when the Empire showed up on their doorstep. And that's exactly what's happening in the very opening of the movie. Here's the first clip. Well, it was a peaceful life until these dudes showed up on his doorstep. If you saw the movie, you know that these Imperial Death Troopers, that's kind of what they're called, they've, <laughs> they've shown up to do what they do really well at, and what they do is they capture the scientist, his father here, Galen, and they kill his wife. But the little girl, Jen, escapes, and we're going to pick up in the movie in just a little bit, 20 years after that escape. But what's happening here, I think, in the movie is so important that I want to just kind of help you see uh, kind of the development of what's happened in the scientist Galen's life. You see, he's going to have something going on that I think any of us could have going on in our lives if we're not, if we're not careful. I'm going to give you five principles as we've done throughout these movies. I'm going to give you one of them, but to kind of set the table here for the first one that I want to give you. I want to give you a famous scripture. It's in Romans chapter 6. And verse 23, and it says this, for the wages of sin, wages of going against God and his desires for your life is what? What's the, what's the penalty? It's death. And, and I think that uh, that's exactly what's happening here for uh, Galen Urso. He, he has uh, tried to run. He has tried to hide. He, he's, but he's built and spent years of his life working with the empire and kind of building a foundation of working with the adversary. And that part of his life is coming home to roost. And it's not a, a good situation for him. And, and the truth is, is that for you and I, if we spend years of our life 
in going after and chasing after the things of our adversary and building a life that's not on God, there will come a time when we can absolutely pay a price for those choices, and some of you, some of you have. I, I was thinking about, I mentioned before that we're going to draw some correlations to some Old Testament writings in Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 30, we're going to find, hey, this is, this is the problem for God's people. Why is the Assyrian army advancing on them? Why are they having such great success? Well, because God's people have turned away from God. And they've opened the doors to all the chaos that comes to a life when you've turned away from God. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 30. In verse 12, it says, therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression, and, departed, and depended on deceit, the sin, this sin, will become for you like a high wall, cracked and, and bulging. It goes on, it says this, that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break into pieces like pottery shattered so mercilessly. What the prophet Isaiah is getting from God is, is, hey, if you decide in your life to build a life on things that are not of God, choices and decisions, kind of one after another, you decide you want to open the door to messiness, well, if you want to open the door to messiness in your life, God will allow you to do that if that's your choice. In free choice, he will, free will. And you will encounter some of the brokenness that comes with that. I, I've done that, and many of you have as well. And you've discovered what that can do to a life of having turned away from God. I, what we're going to see is, yeah, this is a, a problem for the Urso family. There's going to be a resolution. We're going to see there's, this is a problem for the Israelites, and God's going to give them a resolution as well. But I put this in your notes. Here's the reminder. You can build a high wall in your life. But if that wall is built on a foundation of sin, it will eventually shatter and come crashing down. That was really the place that I came to in my own life, is that I had built a life on things that weren't of God. About 20 years ago, I, it, it hit me that this choice that I had made for the way I was living my life was built on power, possessions, and pleasures, and these things were going to leave me very empty one day, like a wall that I had built that was going to shatter and crack one day. It was not on a firm foundation, my life. And I turned to Jesus Christ, and he showed me what it would look like to live a life where I was building a life on something that was strong, something that mattered, something that would not fail. And that's been a part of the journey for my life for 20 years. And if you want to live like that, and you don't want to choose the goodness of God and the things that will last, God will let you make that decision and encounter everything that comes with it. But there's always a way out. And God is always there to say, hey, it does not have to be like this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, it says this. It says, no temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a what? A way out. He will so that you can endure it, so that you can survive. And God is here this morning saying, "There's a, hey, 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 there's a way out. There's still a way out. And you don't have to go living down this road that you're living in your life. Now, I want to give you in just a moment the second principle. We're going to go back to our movie, and it's fast-forwarding kind of 20 years in the little girl Jen's life. Uh, she has been captured, and she's uh, been captured because, well, she's 
She's important. She knows things about the Death Star. Her father knew things about the Death Star. She's important to the rebellion because she knows things about the Death Star. And the Imperial Army has captured her. They have, uh, they're going to put her in a labor camp and enslave her that way. But there's a way out. There's a rescue mission being sent for her. And here's that part. Uh, sometimes it's hard to see that the way out is being presented right before you, but of course, in our relationship with God, it's sometimes hard to see that lifeline that we're being, enthro being thrown, and sometimes it's hard to see it because we have been involved in such a mess in our life. It's hard to see clearly at times in our life, and, and this is the next principle that I put in your notes. Despite all that chaos, we remember this, sometimes to get our attention, God's using the pain and struggles in our life to wake us up. But then we're able to see the rescue plan that he's put in front of us. That if you'll open your eyes, if you'll just allow this revealing that God is there trying to get your attention and he's utilizing these difficult moments to say, hey, these problems you're facing are real, but it doesn't have to be that way. I've given a rescue plan. God has given us a rescue plan, Jesus Christ. And it's true. Some people see that plan that's before them and others they still can't see it for what it is. And I think that's why it's so important to have good people around you in your life to say, hey, hey, you, you, I just want to let you know you're going down the wrong road in life. Hey, I, I just want to let you know that decision you're making or you're about to make is going to lead you into a pretty unhealthy place. People that can, can help guide us in, in difficult times in our life. We're going to see in just a little bit in the movie Rogue One that it's going to be a key part for this girl, Jen's life. She's going to have friends come alongside and help move her in the right direction. Do you have people like that in your life? You talk about it all the time because, well, gosh, it's, it's a major deal for, for humanity to have right people like that around you in your life. It's why we spend so much time here at our church. Uh, we'll say things very clearly. We'll say, here's what you need to know. If you're a part of this church, you're new here, you're like getting, you're trying to figure things out, and you say, how do I get connected here at this church? All right, it seems kind of big, whatever. How do I get connected? It's really simple. There's just two ways. Get onto a serve team and meet people on a serve team, connect with them, and get into a group that meets throughout the week. And when you do that, you're advancing from beyond just like, hey, I'm an attender here, like, I'm actually getting connected. But when you do that, you're also creating environments for you to begin to get more right people, right place, right time around you in your life. We spend a lot of time on that because, my goodness, I've, I've watched this play out over the years. I've watched for 20 years of ministry, many of those here years at this church. I've watched as people came to this church and they didn't get connected. And just kind of slipped away. I've watched others fade. They were once connected, but they took steps away from that community of connectivity and started traveling down unhealthy roads again because they pulled away. I've watched it happen. That's why the scriptures warn us in Hebrews chapter 10. Be, be careful about that. It says this in verse 24. It says, let us uh, consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as the day is approaching. There is a power in spurring one another on. This is what the therapists and the psychologists tell us as well, that 
that you know what, though we're tempted in difficult times to isolate, the opposite reaction is what will make a difference in your life, to get people around you when you're struggling, to get people around you. The science tells us, hey, get people around you. Harvard study not long ago uh, did a study dealing with people who are going through hard times, difficult times in their life to kind of see what their, the trends and the patterns were. And what they found is that most people, when they're going through a tough time in their life, they do isolate. And they're talking about how it's such an unhealthy choice. And so again, the opposite is where we want to be involved in, in our life. And I wrote this down, the third principle in your notes, so that, that's this, is that, that when things get tough, that's when we're tempted to isolate ourselves from those closest to us. However, it's those people who can best help us through hard times. And we're going to see in the story of Rogue One that I mentioned before that friends are going to come along. As a matter of fact, one friend who's taken good care of Jen in her life, um, this guy named Saul Guerrero, his character in the movie, he's going to come along and say, Say, hey, I, I want to I move you in the right direction. I want to point you to the information you need to get, you need to get for your life. And ultimately, uh, this guy, this character points our girl Jen to, to some information she needs to hear from her, from her father. Here's the next clip. It's a lot of info. <laughs> and uh, so he's, what's happening here is Jen's being pointed to get information from her father about what's going on, that there's plans, that there's some plans that if they can get a hold of, they, they can make a difference in this fight. And I think good people in your life do just that for you and I. They, they point you to the Heavenly Father to get the plans, to get the information for, for life, to live differently, to do better in this battle that we face in our own lives. The people of God, going back to Isaiah chapter 30, they're in a messy place. I mentioned before, sin they kind of turned away from the things of God. They're encountering some of the brokenness related to that. And we're going to see in the story about the Israelites, uh, the people of Judah, and we are going to see particularly uh, with the Assyrian army, that's this clash, this, this difficulty that, that they're facing. Uh, that there's a, more of a reason for it that's outlined uh, by God through the prophet Isaiah. Here's what it says in Isaiah 30 and verse 15. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Like, uh, let me download. Like, this is what the problem is. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Now, before we make fun of the people of Judah for being ignorant of the things of God, we got to fast forward 2,700 years later to you and I, God says, hey, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. I've got the plans. I've got the plans, but you would have none of it. Many times that's a part of our own story. We're turning away from these things of God. But as I mentioned before, despite all that, God is downloading plans and saying, okay, you would have none of it, but still here. There's still a rescue plan. It goes on in Isaiah 30, and it says, this, as it continues, it says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him, people of Zion who live in Jerusalem. You will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will what? Answer you. You cry out to God. God says, I will, I will answer 
and God's people cry out to me and I'll write this ship for you in your life, turn, turn to the Heavenly Father. And I just wanted to say this to you here this morning because somebody needs to hear this and it's the fourth principle in your notes. It says this, it may feel like it's too late, like you've missed your chance to turn to God, the damage is done, the battle seems lost. However, it is never too late and there is hope. It is not too late. As long as you're breathing air in your lungs, it is not too late. Say, God, I receive the rescue plan that you've put in front of me. And I'll talk more about that hope and that rescue in just a little bit. But first, we're going to pick back up in our story as we learn more about what's going on with Jen. She's getting the plans. Uh, she's gotten those about from the Father about what to do. And then her job now is to rally others to say, hey, if we're going to win this, we all need to be on the same page. And that's our next clip. Well, they've decided to say, okay, if there's some plans that we can all join together and follow, then let's do it and let's see if we can see if we can make a difference. You know, the prophet, the prophet Isaiah is talking about something that we're seeing playing out here in the movie Rogue One, and, and that is this, that th there's hope. Hope is always there, right? If there's one theme about Star Wars beyond just good and evil that we see constantly playing out in all the movies. It's this word hope. And that word hope is the question for God's people 2,700 years ago. Like, is there still hope? We've made mistakes, but is there still hope? And, and the last many verses of Isaiah chapter 30 are all about God saying, yeah, there's hope. If you'll turn to me, there is still hope. Let's look at some of those verses. We'll put them up on the screen. Verse 23 says this. He will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground and food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. In that day, your cattle will graze in broad meadows. It goes on in verse 26. The moon will shine like the sun. The sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven full days when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds. He's inflicted. Verse 29 and 31 says you will Sing as on the night you celebrate a holy festival, your hearts will rejoice as when people playing pipes go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria with his rod. He will strike them down. It's a promise. God says there is absolutely hope. If you'll join in on this journey, if you'll, if you'll follow me. When we look at some of the closing parts of Rogue One, if you've seen the movie, you know that, yeah, they decide to join in the battle. They decide to go after those plans. The plans are in a tower on this particular planet that they're heading towards, and if they can get to those plans, they capture the plans, they could pass them on to some other folks who are going to be able to bring the destruction of the Death Star. Here's as they're heading into the battle. Here's that next clip. They begin to execute the plan, and if you've seen the movie, you know that they, they start to push back the empire, they make their way into that tower, they actually are going to get their hands on those plans, but all along, you're like on this knife's edge of like, will they succeed? Will they get their hands on the plans? Will they even be able to hand those plans off and get them ultimately to Princess Leia, who then can execute a further plan of the rebellion, will it work out? And so you're kind of like on this edge of what will happen and will hope be revealed and will there be restoration? And we go back to our people of God, the people of Judah and Isaiah 30. We've been looking at, 
you know, what's happening with them? They're actually on the cusp. If you fast forward, they're, they're coming to this place where they're on the cusp of a, a potential wipeout. Is it too late for them to have turned to God? Will God respond now that they've figured out what they need to do? Will God, will God deliver what will happen in this moment? And, and actually on the eve, before a moment where they're probably going to be wiped out by the Assyrian army, King Hezekiah is praying. He's like, God, what is going to happen tomorrow? What will, what will take place? And then we see what takes place in Isaiah 37 and verse 36. It says, this as they've turned to God, it says, Then the angel of the Lord went out, put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all dead bodies. It, it's, it's a portrait of God delivering, it, it stands as a moment in history that's recorded that we look back at in time and say, Man, when, when things were on the edge, when things were nasty, when God's people decided to move in the right direction, that God did indeed deliver. And 2,700 years later, it's still true for your life and my life. God will go into these great battles in life for you if you just surrender, if you turn to him. And that leads me to the last principle that I wanted to share with you on our time, in our time, and that is this. Based on God's faithfulness of the past, stories like we've heard about people of Judah and their victory over the Assyrian army, stories like that, historical recordings of God faith, God's faithfulness, though, in other people's lives and in our own lives. We have these faithful opportunities that God has put in, in our lives, and it's, it's because of those accounts and that faithfulness that we're able to put into play and into action in our own life. We're able to move forward in, in things of our life to say, okay, I've seen, God, what you did in your word, and I've studied that. And God, I've seen what you've done in other people's lives, and now I'm applying those historical records of people and accounts in their lives. I'm applying it to my own life, build strength in times where I don't know, God, if you're going to show up. No, 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 no. I'm remembering and hearkening back on the times where you have promised and you have delivered. And they become faithful foundations for us in the future decisions and choices in our own lives. Well, the movie wraps up with this iconic ending where they've got their hands on the plans, but they got to hand them off to Princess Leia. We're revealed in this final segment of how those plans eventually get fully into Princess Leia's hands. And it begins all these years later when Rogue One is released. It ties in back to that first movie we saw back in 1977. Here it is. Well, what is it that we have in, in, in our lives? We have hope. We have hope based on what God has done, again, in the past, and people that we know, and the legacy of what God's done in other people's lives. It's, it's the times throughout history where God's people were in bondage and slavery in Egypt for 400 years, and God says, there's hope. There's a way out. Follow me, and then there's a time where God's people are in a messy position and God says, I'm, I'm going to give you a king that's going to rule over really what will become an eternal kingdom. And King David, we have time where humanity is in this broken state. God sends his one and only son, Jesus Christ, for the sins of humanity so that we can be reconciled with our heavenly father. There's hope. First Peter chapter one and verse three says this, praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, 
He has given us new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hope. Hope is there. And the rescue plan is there. Let's pray together. Uh, God, we're thankful for what we've learned. We're reminded through the people of Judah and their brokenness and their restoration. And God, that that same set of events still applies to our lives in, in this way, that when we're journeying away from him, we can, we can come back home. There's, there's a way to live for the things of God. Some of you are believers this morning. You, you already are believers, but you've been kind of stepping away and journeying in some different directions. You can come back and say, God, no, no, no. I, I know the plans. We get this ship put in the right direction. God, we're moving it in the right direction. God, help me. God will reveal himself to you. Others of you, you're not believers in Christ, and this is your moment. This is your opportunity. Just like I had 20 years ago, uh, every weekend at our church, somebody decides to say, hey, I I'm ready to turn to the Heavenly Father and surrender. And the gift of Jesus Christ is salvation and reconciliation, connection to the Heavenly Father, that for all who would believe in that gift that God gave in His one and only Son, they could be forgiven their past and the times where they turned away from you, God. The times where they built walls in their life, built on shaky things. They can be forgiven and set free and have a relationship with you. And somebody right now is making that decision to turn to you, receiving that forgiveness, that salvation, that life of freedom here in this life and eternally as well. They're receiving that now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.